I appreciate the opportunity to introduce services. I have proven over and over in the last few times, first Sundays, I can do this. I can keep it to 10 minutes or so and uh, I've been successful. So I will try to do that this morning. It's good to be here and it's certainly good to have everybody with us this morning. We are grateful for our visitation for our Maryland friends in the back. They're stopped through this morning. to be with us here at Buffalo Church, we're grateful for you and, and hope that uh, what I said this morning will be of first uh, worthy of the praises of Almighty God and beneficial uh, to you and to all of us. And we are we hope that is the case this morning. And, and, and listen, y'all pray for Brother Cole. Uh, you know, it's 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 difficult enough to stand before the people of God. And, and uh, but when you're first starting out in the and in, in, uh, the ministry and and this is Brother Cole's Sunday. Uh, when there's extra crowd, you know, it kind of tends to bring extra uh, anxiety. And, and, and I've, I've been there. Listen, I've been there to the point where I had to sit down because I was about to pass out. My dear wife gave him instruction to get me a wet rag, and I, I revived and, and uh, was able to finish my discourse. It's not easy. Uh, it, it's one thing to do some public speaking. It's another thing to do public speaking in the name of God. Uh, and that's, that, that carries with it a weight that unless you're called to the ministry, you'll have no idea what that feels like. So pray for him uh, this morning. Uh, the the thought, thoughts on my mind, uh, hopefully it won't deter from, from Brother Coles. I, I think there's, uh, sometimes I get an insight on what he's going to say, you know. I, I have the liberties of asking my son-in-law, what are you going to preach about tomorrow? So uh, so I don't think this will, will, will affect, hopefully it will encourage. In the 12th Psalm, uh, David writes this concerning the words of the Lord. Psalms 12, verse 6. He says, The words of the Lord are pure words because they come from a pure God. God can't speak anything but pure words. And uh, so pure words from a pure God are meant for a part of us that is pure. You know, the Apostle Peter spoke in this second epistle to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You've got a corrupt mind. And you've got a pure mind. Because Paul says we have the mind of Christ, didn't he? Uh, so if, if you're born from above, you have a pure mind. You have pure thoughts. You have pure feelings. Jesus Christ said, blessed are the pure in heart. You have a pure heart. But you also got a corrupt one, don't you? The, the, nature, of God, the nature of man never does cease until you die. And until you die... Uh, You've got a pure heart, you've got a pure mind, that the pure words from a pure God will benefit. You've got a corrupt heart, a corrupt mind, that the corrupt words of this world and men who speak corrupt things will benefit. Now which one are you going to yield to? That is going to be the result of whether your life is going to be pleasant, joyful in the things of God, or you'll suffer the, the consequences of, of actions and words and things that we do as God's children. Even the, the rod of correction from God that he, he bestows upon his own children. As many as I love, Christ says, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous and repent. Uh, so, so these pure words come from pure God are meant for the purity of you. And if we receive them in such, listen, I, I don't wish to alter pure words. Do you? I have no design and no desire to change the words of God. Uh, they're pure words. And if we take the word of God exactly as God has described us, uh, uh, has described in his his living his uh, written word here that uh, that these things will be beneficial to all of us and, and 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 listen I don't mean to make excuses for my corrupt flesh 
There are no excuses. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a, it is what it is, right? It's, it's a corrupt flesh. And I've had it, I've followed it, and I've paid the consequence. I do not wish to do that. I don't like to live after that man. The Apostle Paul talked about the old man, new man. I enjoy the new man because the new man brings me peace. It brings me comfort, and I avoid a lot that the old man in me would get myself into that I might never ever get out of. So the words of God, the words of the Lord are pure words. They're like silver tried uh, silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. That's a perfect, that, that word seven or number seven means perfection. God's words are perfect words, pure words and perfect words. Thou shalt keep them, says the psalmist David, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, if God's pure words are forever words, it, it does not do us any good to try to alter and change the word of God. And, and when, when people do, they, they get in a, in a fix. I'm talking about individuals. I'm not talking about churches. I'm talking about a nation of people who take the words of God and simply cast them behind their backs. And, uh, you know, when, when, in, the, in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, God says to the children of Israel. Now, these words here are pure words. They're, they come from God, and God means what he says and says what he means. You know, oftentimes we, we have the uh, tendencies to think that, that God is strictly a God of love and compassion and mercy and, and, uh, and goodness and, and long-suffering and forbearance, and he is. He's all of that. He's also a God of judgment. He is a God of, of wrath, of indignation. He has an armory. Uh, uh, Jeremiah talks about uh, that God opens up his armory and brings forth his weapons of indignation. Uh, you know, there, uh, Jesus Christ talked about the words of God himself in the book of Revelations. He said, he that will change or, or, or add to the words of the book of this prophecy, I will add to him the plagues of this book. Have you ever read Revelations? I don't want those plagues. Do you? <laughs> Listen, there, there's a lot in there I would like to avoid. And yet Jesus Christ, he warns the people of God because he says, Who hath ears? Let him hear. He's talking about God's children, right? That's who the Bible is written to. He's talking about God's children. If you have ears, Jesus Christ said, and you change or you add to the words of the book of this prophecy, I will add to you the plagues of this book. Then he also says, If, if you... Uh, take away from the words of this prophecy, of this book. He said, I will, I will take away your part out of the book of life and of the tree of life and of the holy city. That means, that means you can lose, not your eternal salvation, but you can lose the right to the tree of life while you live on this earth by, by diminishing the word of God. By simply not believing it and, 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 and changing and altering it so as to fit our own needs. And that is, not, that is not the pure words of God. The pure words of God stand forever. David said it. So God says the same thing in the book of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. He says, uh, second verse. Well, let's go to the first verse. Now, therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and, and, and to the judgments, which I teach you. Because what God teaches are God's words, right? They're pure. For to do them that ye may live. Now, if you want to know what it is to really live, you live according to the commandments of God. You don't alter them. You don't make excuses for yourself. 
Jesus Christ said, If any man hath my words and keepeth them, the same it is that loveth me. Now, if you want to know exactly how much you love the Lord, let that be your gauge. I'm talking about as perfecting love. I'm not talking about the existence of it, that you can't have it until you're born from above. But when you have it, if you perfect it, it's going to lead you to keeping the commandments of God. Jesus Christ said, and the benefits are, you get the presence of the Lord, and I will come unto him, manifest myself unto him. Now, that's important. We talked about this in our Bible study, didn't we, about, about lukewarmness in the church of the Laodiceans. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and how Jesus Christ uh, threatened them to spew them out of his mouth because they were just lukewarm. They were careless about their service to God. Indifferent. Uh, they were full of apathy. You know, carelessness. Or as Barney Fife says, apathy. You know, that, that's the way Barney, but, but, it's, but it's apathy. Carelessness. So, <clears throat> he says that you may live and you may go in and possess the land which the Lord your God, which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you. So when they did, and they did, y'all. If you're a good Bible reader, you understand that the Israelites added to God's word, didn't they? And they diminished it. They just simply didn't think God really meant what he said. You should not add anything. Uh, that I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Now, this this is in reference now to the land of Canaan. This is this is which is a which is typical of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, it is a in other words a type. It's a type of the New Testament church. They are out of bondage, wasn't they? Every, every one of God's children, when they're out of bondage, which is a, a worse bondage than Egypt, sin and death is a worse bondage that Jesus Christ has freed you from. I mean, that's a, that's a horrific bondage that you are set free from. And then command you, this is your land to dwell in. Then, then you take up your cross, you follow me, and you keep my commandments in the kingdom of God all the days of your life from this day forward. And that, and that we ought not to change the words of God, diminish from them, or add anything to it. It is, a, it is very thin ice that people skate on who think they have authority to change the words of God. And eventually they crash through. Eventually they fall through into the cold waters and, uh, and, uh, and, and rarely find them what, their way out, right? Uh, this, this is not a good place to be. So God's words, being pure words, are words worth standing upon. They're words to free you. They're words to keep you from falling. Because when you build your house on that rock, when you dig deep, which are the words of Christ, right? Jesus said, if any man uh, uh, hear my words, or any man cometh to me, hear my words, and doeth them. I liken him to a wise man who digs deep. It takes labor to dig. In other words, you've got to get rid of a lot of stuff to dig deep. You've got to throw a lot of dirt, a lot of mess out. And that's what you have to do to build your house firmly upon the doctrine and the discipleship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right there, obviously, he said that a man who hears my words and does not do them, I'll liken him to a foolish man who builds his house right up on top of the ground very carelessly with no effort whatsoever in the kingdom of God. Just let me build as easy as I can and get by with what I can get by with. He said that man's foolish and the storms will come and they will Blow that house down. Now, so the words of God, being pure words, being perfect words, 
from a perfect and pure God are for our benefit. And, and, uh, and, and, and the world we live today, y'all, and I'm going I'm to end with this because my ten minutes up. In the world we live today, you live in a world in which God's Word is constantly attacked. From the beginning of time, Satan attacked God's Word. And, and, uh, and, and, and men in their innocence, men and women, uh, Adam and Eve, in, even in their innocence, believed him. You don't think in a fallen state that we want to believe Satan today? Yes, we do, because he'll tell us what you want to hear. He tell, he, listen, he swears for me many times things that are contrary to God's Word, and I just thought they were right because that's what I wanted to hear. Somebody tells you something that is opposite of God's Word, don't listen to them. That it's, it's as simple as that. Just don't listen to them. And so you need, need to be instructed in God's Word. To know the difference, be instructed in God's Word. This book right here, a friend, do not be... Listen, don't think that you cannot... Don't be intimidated by God's Word. It was never meant to intimidate you. It's meant for your strength, your comfort, your peace, your, your defense of God. You're to earnestly contend for the faith. It's, it's meant for you to contend. If you know how to do it, if it's meant, if, listen, you got to know how to put the armor on. you got to know what kind of armor to put on. you got to know what war you're fighting in. All that's contained right here in the words of God that are pure words, sound words, and forever will endure until the Lord comes back. Now, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that the more we do not diminish... And do not add. The more we just simply stick to the Word of God, the churches would be stronger. They would be. The reason why they're not is people don't they don't listen. You know, we we uh, there's there's a lot that uh, <laughs> that simply don't believe the words of God. They add to it. They'll they'll throw in some fancy saying as if to relieve them from their service of God. They're, they'll they'll diminish. They'll add. Do whatever it takes for their own pleasure. If we simply will go by the Word of God, society would be better. Not the churches, not just the churches, society. Families would be stronger. I mean, there people would, people would, men would marry women. How about that? You know, that's 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 amazing, isn't it? That 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 men would marry women because that's how God made them, and that and that men would not be playing women's sports. How about that? <laughs> I mean, come on, this, this, is a, this affects the way that we live. It really does. It's up to us to defend it. It's up to us to live it. And when you do that, you may affect somebody else who may be weak-minded, who may be one of God's children, but may be weak-minded because they don't know. They've never been taught. That's why it's important. I, could, I want to go on to the place, and I'm going, I'm going to yield. It's important because God instructs us to teach our children these things in the Bible. God instructs us. If you don't teach your children about right and wrong, about serving God, about the Lord's day, about this and about that, about everything there is in that God, pure, that His pure words are in the Bible, how are they going to know? How are they going to know? So let, listen, let's make a pact. You know what? I, I'm, the first one, I'm, I'll make a pact, uh, if you'll make one with me, that, I will, that we'll try better, all of us, not to add or to diminish from God's Word. And it will teach our children from the Word of God and just simply tell them, this is it. These are pure words. These are perfect words. 
And they're meant for your pure and perfect heart. They're meant for your pure and perfect mind. Use them for that, and you will be much happier. That's why he said if you go in this land and do that, you're going to live and multiply. The churches will live better, and they'll multiply more if God's people just did what he tells them. For the glory of God's sake, first and foremost, and for your comfort, edification, for your peace. May God richly bless bless you. Come on, brother. I hope. Lord bless you. Really hate that you had to had to stop that. I was really enjoying that. It is your time. But I do appreciate the opportunity to to speak, and I pray that the Lord has uh, put something on my mind that may also, just as brother Ke- what brother Kevin said, will be beneficial uh, to us all. Um, uh, I'd like to I'd like to draw your attention this morning, if I can, to the second chapter of the book of Jonah. And uh, I, I do believe, just as you know, brother Kevin did have the privilege of me telling him what I, I had on my mind this morning, and I think a lot of what he said just goes right along with uh, what I have on on my heart and on my mind uh, to speak on today. <clears throat> you know, in the sixth chapter of the of the of the book of John, uh, Jesus Jesus told Jesus told his people and and others there that they shall all be taught of God. Now, I do believe that uh, Jesus was, was speaking about uh, spiritually that every child of God w- shall be taught of God at some point in their life through regeneration. But there are also lessons that the Lord also teaches us um, that are not always happy lessons, that are not always, um, they're not always things that you know, we would uh, say are for our pleasure, but in the end they are for our good. And uh, in that sense, we are also all of God's people. They shall be taught of God. <laughs> in the second chapter of the book of Jonah, we come to a, a prayer that Jonah prays. Uh, but, uh, but before I get to the prayer, I just want to give just you know a, a little bit of you know what's going on and why Jonah is uh, in the predicament that we find him in in the second chapter. Uh, Jonah was a prophet, uh, a prophet of Israel. This was not, uh, you know, he he was somebody who had uh, who had some experience in uh, in dealing with God and in, in preaching, and in the uh, in the first chapter of Jonah, he is told by God to arise and to go to Nineveh, a great city, and, and to cry against it or to preach. In the third chapter, tells us that he he commanded to preach. Jonah was told to preach uh, to Nineveh. And uh, instead, uh, Jonah uh, completely, it tells us he left. He completely, he departed. It says that Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. Now, I don't believe Jonah literally thought he could flee from, from the Lord's presence, that he could flee from, uh, you know, for, he, that he thought for a second that the Lord could not see him wherever he went. This man was a prophet. In the, uh, in fact, in the in the book of Second Kings, in the 14th chapter, you will find where Jonah also uh, had prophesied to Israel. Uh, this uh, he had uh, very much had credentials for what the Lord was commanded him to do. Amen. He was very accustomed uh, to preaching uh, <laughs> to preaching repentance uh, to people. Mm-hmm. He had, he had been, especially during that time with Israel, they had a wicked king Jeroboam that was over them. This was not a time where Israel was uh, seeking after the Lord. This, this was a time that uh, 
But this was a time that uh, God wanted to show mercy and compassion upon His people. If you go back, He says, because they have no helper. And uh, so Jonah was accustomed to this. Jonah was familiar with the Lord, with His mercy, with His power, uh, with His love. He was very familiar uh, uh, with the Lord. So I don't believe that is the that is what what is meant from fleeing from the presence of the Lord, but that Jonah was in a sense he was he was quitting. He was turning in his two weeks' notice, if you will. He was, he was turning his walking papers. He said, "I'm do-, he said I, I'm done." He's like, you know, I, I'd like to think maybe he thought, you know, you asked too much of me. Like I, I like uh, I, I will not go. And uh, he had quit. He had told the Lord, I, "I'm you know I, I'm through with this. I'm done." <laughs> and he uh, and he left. Now just to now just you know I I know that you know we, we like to you know harp on Jonah and say you know you know what a horrible guy if he had just listened to God up front uh, none of this bad stuff would have happened to him. The the city of Nineveh was not a good place that you would want to go. This was a city that was outside of Israel. This is actually Jonah's the first prophet who was sent to a to a any to a, a people outside of Israel. Jonah was the first one. Um, and this was also Israel's enemies. Uh, these people were known for their wickedness. They were known for uh, idolatry. They were known for uh, for their cruelty. I, I heard a preacher say that the that they that uh, one of their forms of torture they would do was to bury a man in the sand and leave just his head above, so that either he would die of starvation or if an animal came by and would kill him. I mean, these were these were not you know the, these were not like you know. Being told to go down and preach to the city, to the you know the, the state of Florida, or being told to you know go and preach in your local community, uh, this was uh, now I'm not saying all this to dismiss and say that it is okay what, what Jonah did, but that uh, we would be foolish to think that um, we would also not be tempted uh, when called by the Lord to do something that our flesh would not you know make up excuses. I mean, I can recall, you know, there there have been times just, I mean, out in public, you know, you feel this, uh, you know, when you're out, you know, eating publicly and you feel this inclination in your spirit to pray and bless over your food. And uh, I'll admit, you know, sometimes I've had, you know, fears even about doing that, uh, which is just very, very silly, you know, to, to think about and consider. You know, that's a, and, and that is a, that, that is, that is how we are. That is our nature. You know, we, uh, so it is very easy. I can understand Jonah being afraid here, but I take comfort just as, Kevin was talking about, these scriptures are given to us to strengthen us and to encourage us not to do as Jonah did. Amen. It is not to give us an excuse to do as Jonah did, but to encourage us the exact opposite, to not do as he did. So Jonah, Jonah fled. And it tells us that he went, uh, <laughs> that, he had, uh, that he had gotten on a boat after that. He was, he was going the direct opposite way of Nineveh, of his people. He was completely fleeing. He was running away from his responsibilities. And uh, <laughs> on the ship, the Lord had sent a great storm. And this had to have been, I mean, just a, an awful, awful storm because it tells us that the mariners were so afraid that they told every man to cry unto their God, little G-God, to cry unto their God. They, that, that's how serious, that's how horrifying I like to think this storm was, that they were even aware this is not normal. This is something that, this is something that is uh, out of a horror movie. This is something not good. Um, and in that moment where you would think uh, a godly man of Jonah would be uh, praying to his God, it tells us that he was asleep. It tells us that he was down in the ship, 
that he was down in the ship uh, fast. It actually, it actually says he was fast asleep. He was, I mean, he was, he was not uh, concerned in the slightest with this. And it tells us in the sixth verse of the first chapter that the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Now I do not find, unless it's just withheld from this text, and I don't believe that it is, we never find throughout the first chapter Jonah praying. We, uh, we, we do not see him uh, praying at all, even in the, midst of this, uh, in the midst of this storm. Jonah has not prayed to God. <clears throat> and, I, and I think that speaks to where he was spiritually whenever we flee from God, that it greatly affects us. Amen. That it greatly affects what we would normally do. That it, uh, and, that, and that is a scary place to be. And that Jonah was in such a dark place that he would not even, you know, he didn't even think, or if he did think, he didn't, did not call unto God. <coughs> so it tells us that the men, in order to, I, I won't read all this, in order to, uh, in order, you know, hope that they would not perish, Jonah told them to throw him overboard, to just throw him out of the ship. He said, you know, this is because of me that this has come upon y'all. He was at least aware enough to recognize why this storm was there. He knew why it was there. And he had, and he asked them to throw him over the ship. <laughs> now, I, now I, and I think too shows what a dark place Jonah was in, because he did not know what was going to happen when he was thrown over that ship. I like to think Jonah, you know, was not expecting God to deliver him when he was thrown over that ship. I think that speaks to how what, what a dark place that we find Jonah in. And again, we, we can learn from that. <clears throat> And it tells at the end of the at the end of that chapter, after they had thrown him overboard, in the seventeenth verse, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And that's when we finally get in the second chapter to Jonah praying. That's when we get to Jonah's prayer. It was it is a, a very dark place to be. And notice in the in the first verse of the second chapter, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. There are many things that we can learn from this from this prayer. And I want to try, Lord willing, to just kind of Go, go through go through this as, as I can, but I think there's one of the first lessons we should take from this from this uh, prayer is that our first inclination, whenever affliction comes upon us, should be to go to the Lord in prayer. That should be the first. That should be the very first thing that we that we feel within our hearts to do, and that is that spirit that is within us you know, that that, uh, that cries, and we should not quench that spirit. We should go to the Lord in prayer whenever those affliction, uh, whenever those affliction comes, because that is the uh, that is the purpose of affliction. Whenever we are afflicted by God, it is not because uh, God simply loves to afflict us. He's not a you know he's not like a he's not like a murderer you know that just they feel they feel pleasure in in conflict in afflicting pain on people. They feel pleasure in uh, in hurting others. It does not bring God pleasure to uh, to afflict His people. But it is. But I believe that it is. It is because that through affliction, it brings us to prayer. That it brings us to a place of repentance. 
I'd like to think, you know, uh, I'd like to think, you know, just as a, I don't believe my parents enjoyed punishing me. I don't believe my parents enjoyed uh, spanking me, though I deserved it. I, I, I believe that, you know, they did that. To, they did that to, uh, in a sense, teach me a lesson, to bring me to a place right. where I would not want to do those things that I was being punished for anymore. Right. It didn't always work. <laughs> but with the, but that is the purpose that the Lord uh, brings affliction upon us. That is the purpose that, that uh, the Lord had in bringing the storm upon Jonah. That is the purpose the Lord had in bringing the, the whale. You know, it says that this was no, uh, this was no ordinary, uh, this was no ordinary fish. And uh, this was a fish that it says was prepared by the Lord. Uh, you know, and, and when Jesus refers back to this, he calls it a he calls it a whale. Now, don't ask me what type of fish this was, what type of whale that was, because I don't know. But what we do know is that this was a, a a fish or whale prepared by the Lord. It had a it had a purpose in mind, and it was to bring Jonah to a place of repentance, to a place of a to a place of drawing him back. Uh, back to God, uh, bringing him back to uh, what he had fled from, and, and running away from, uh, and you know, and running away from the Lord. Uh, that is the that is the whole purpose of this. You know, the Lord uh, he wounds before he heals. It is uh, you know, and, and what's interesting is that you know, is that he he is very much that way. You know, with the gospel, we're told. I believe it's by Paul that you know the law came. Before the gospel, that before that uh, that when a child of God um, feels a you know feels that affliction within themselves, and then they hear the good news of the gospel, there is they 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 feel that that healing within them. They they finally you know they understand uh, what is going on uh, inside of them. It's the same way it's the same way with repentance that the Lord uh, he wounds before uh, before he heals before we feel that and are drawn back to God. Uh, it, it reminds me of a. Uh, in Psalm 119, in Psalm 119, I think it's in the in the 67th verse. It says, "Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept Thy word." Whenever, but whenever, whenever the Lord afflicts us, it is not out of a sheer just you know I'm punishing you for no good reason. You know this is a He is punishing us because we have gone astray. He afflicts us because uh, because there is something that we have done. There is a you know there is a <laughs> that we have uh, just as Jonah here that we have uh, tried to flee from God and to deny what the Lord uh, commands us to do. <laughs> and he recognized that you know he he tells it, it, and, and and notice that you know this is not a a happy place Jonah was in. You know whenever I looked up you know like uh, you, you know like. Like videos about like you know Jonah and the whale. There's often you'll come across those uh, those children's stories that they do for, that they do for kids, which are great. But uh, they uh, the the one about Jonah, you know, oftentimes they, he's painted like you know he's just kind of minding his own business within this whale. Like you know, it just looks like he's on vacation. You know, he's even I saw one where he's got a little fire going in there in there inside the belly of whale. And I get it because it's for because it's for kids. But uh, you know, this was. This was not, you know, just a happy experience to go through. Jonah described it as literal hell. And that does not mean Jonah, I don't believe Jonah went to hell. He did not go to eternal hell. But he experienced, but, he, but what he experienced, he described greatly 
as hell. And that is a and that is a dark place to be. And it's the same place that we can get. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, that is an experience that uh that we too, if we are not careful and and heed the you know not just these words of Jonah, but throughout the scriptures, that we too can fall into you know this deep and, and dark place that Jonah was in. Uh, like I said, this was not a uh, this was not a, a, a happy place to be. Uh, in fact, he he, call, he says uh, he describes in the fifth verse of, of weeds wrapped about his head. I mean, you imagine how and waves just just coming all all over him. I mean, this was this had to be just a terrifying experience to go through. But it was for but it was for his edification, for his glory. You know, this was this was uh, and for that we can draw comfort. <clears throat> this was not uh, this was not. Uh, because as this was, as I said earlier, this is something that was done out of love. In the 89th Psalm, in the 30th verse, <clears throat> it says, "If his children forsake my law, and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod, and their iniquity with stripes. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him." nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Isn't that a beautiful comfort to know that uh, our faithfulness can indeed fail, but the Lord's faithfulness does not fail. That is a, and, and that is a, a huge uh, a comfort to us. That is a huge comfort you know, that, to let us know, you know that uh, we often refer to you know, the, back, the, you know, the backslider. Is not devoid of God's grace in election, but he will. But they. But, uh, we can suffer great, great, uh, great harm in this life. We can suffer through great afflictions in this life. But know that it is only because the Lord um, does it out of a place of love, out of a place to bring to bring us to repentance and to bring us uh, back to Him. Isn't that a comfort? You know, in the second verse where he said, Out of the belly hill cried I, and thou heardest my voice. <laughs> Isn't that a, a beautiful comfort, you know, that in our darkest moments where we feel so devoid and so that the Lord is not shining his light upon us, where we feel that the Lord has turned his face away from us, to know... <clears throat> That when we cry unto that when we cry unto him, he still has a he still has that ear. He can hear his children crying. He may turn his uh, he may turn his head away. He may turn his uh, he may turn his blessings away from us. But whenever we cry unto him, it is such a comfort to know that he still hears our voice. That he is st- that he is uh, that he has not shut us out from and uh, from uh, <coughs> and that he hears when his children cry unto him. <clears throat> and our and our solution, as I said, is uh, is repentance. That's right. In the book of uh, in the book of Hosea, in the sixth chapter, it says, "In the first verse, come and let us return unto the Lord, for He hath torn and He will heal us; He hath smitten and He will bind us up. After two days will He revive us, and the third day He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight." Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. That when we find ourselves in these dark places, that we seek the Lord. 
We do not continue to keep going down and down, deeper and deeper, as Jonah did. But that, uh, we, but that we look up. <clears throat> and it says in, the, it says in the third verse, For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compass me about. All thy billows and thy waves uh, passed over me. You know, Jonah recognized that this was, as I said earlier, that this was from the Lord. Because he said, for thou hast cast me into the deep. He knew that, uh, he recognized uh, that uh, this was all from the Lord. Right. He, had, uh, he did not think that this was just some coincidence that had come upon him. He knew that this was, uh, that this was prepared for him. Uh, and this is often, you know, throughout this, throughout this chapter, you know, you'll find where Jonah quotes a lot from the book of Psalms. In fact, a lot, like, uh, a lot of these verses go hand in hand with the book of Psalms. Which, you know, at that time, you have to think that, you know, that, that the Psalms were a great source of worship and devotion uh, to people at this time. You know, they had the writings of David and, uh, and of the law. And uh, that was their Bible, in a sense. That's what they read. That's what they studied. And uh, so, that, you know, that is... Uh, so I think, you know, that, <clears throat> that would make sense for Jonah to quote from the Psalms in his, Psalms in his prayer. As what David described uh, spiritually... Jonah literally felt. Jonah literally uh, <coughs> understood what David was speaking to, and that's what the scriptures are for. Yeah. You know, these are you know if you <laughs> these are things that um that that when we go through troubles as these men, we can understand what they're talking about, and they all and and aren't the scriptures so good that they give us the solution Amen. when those times happen. Right. <clears throat> In Psalm 47, in Psalm 42, 7, it says, Deep call unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy willow, billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I like to think that scripture gave Jonah a sense of, uh, <coughs> it gave him some, encourage, some encouragement. And that what David described spiritually, Jonah literally was feeling both spiritually and physically. He, he was feeling that. I mean, <clears throat> can you imagine, you know, uh, the, the waves when he was thrown overboard in the middle of a storm? Uh, a few years ago, we went, uh, whenever we went to the beach, uh, <clears throat> me and Kevin attempted to go boogie boarding with the, with the girls. And uh, <clears throat> those waves, uh, and it was a very stormy waves that day. who were nothing compared to these. And, uh, you know, if you did not hit those waves just right, Kevin can tell you, it was very painful. And they would just, uh, and if you, and if one hits you, then just continual waves would just come all over on top of you. Uh, and there were sometimes it could be very, uh, very scary. Um, and can you imagine uh, going through that without dry land nearby, without uh, being able to stand upon anything? Uh, Jonah experienced that out in the in the deep sea. I mean, it had to be very deep, or else you know a whale could not get out there. And uh, there was no place for him to stand, and uh, to just feel these waves coming and piling on top of him uh, before. I actually think you know before the whale you know got a hold of him. Uh, that had to be you know just. Uh, a terrifying experience, you know, one that Jonah, I don't believe he thought he was going to get out of. But in the well, you know, he, but afterwards when he writes us his prayer that he prayed, I think from quoting the Psalms, you know, he had, uh, he had a little bit of peace in him that, uh, that, uh, that the Psalms gave him. And they also uh, 
can give us that. It tells us in the fourth verse, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. As we said earlier, I think Jonah, you know, he truly felt that he was not, uh, he did not feel the, the sight of God upon him. He did not feel that the Lord was uh, shining uh, his presence upon him. <clears throat> it reminds me very much of the, of the, of the Psalm of David in, in Psalm 51. After he had had uh, Uriah the Hittite uh, killed and had lain with his wife. That uh, in Psalm 51, in David's prayer, he asked the Lord to uh, <laughs> to uh, shine upon it, to to bring him the joy of thy salvation again. David no longer felt the salvation of God. He was in such a dark place that he uh, he no longer you know you know he began to question whether or not he was even saved by God. <laughs> and. Uh, but in those moments, you know, if you ever, if, when we get into those moments and we question that, we need to do as David did and as Jonah did. It says in the in the fourth verse, "Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple." Mm-hmm. I don't think Jonah was literally trying to look towards the the temple, towards you know the physical temple building. I mean, he was in a well. I don't think you know he knew which direction to look at for the temple. But I think that by the holy temple, he was looking towards Christ. Mm-hmm. He was looking towards God. That in that with uh, that despite no longer feeling the Lord's presence and being so down, he he looked up. He looked towards Christ. He looked towards God. It says the waters compass me compass me about, even to the soul. <clears throat> the depth closed me round about. The weeds are wrapped about my head. Just again showing you know just this anguish that, that Jonah was feeling. You know the state that he was in, where he felt, you know, just completely consumed by, completely consumed by the waters. It says in the sixth verse, "I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever." <clears throat> Is that not something that we too can relate to? <clears throat> can we not? Some, do we not sometimes feel kind of trapped in this world? Do we not feel sometimes? trapped with all the all the wickedness, all the horrible things happening in our time. It can feel a lot like we like we too have, have bars around us. Like we, you know, like there is just you know, there is no hope. That there is just no hope. And then we can feel just caged in. <clears throat> but notice what Jonah said, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. I think I think this shows too that Jonah had written this obviously after he was on dry land. You know, he was reflecting that, you know, how, how down he was. But yet, the Lord brought him up out of corruption. He had said he had uh, that he had brought him out of this out of this misery. And when we too feel trapped, that uh, it's important that we go to the Lord ourselves and and that, and to understand that only He can bring us out of that. That only He can deliver us from that from that feeling <clears throat> that we feel within our souls. In the seventh verse, I, I, I really feel that you know <laughs> that after after the sixth verse, we really see a really big turn on this prayer, and it brings a whole it brings a lot of hope and a lot of joy. It says, "When my soul fainted within me, <clears throat> I remembered the Lord." And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. <clears throat> what you know? What I like to think that what 
what Jonah referred to, and he said, I remember the Lord. In the third chapter of the book of Lamentations, in verse 21 to 26, it says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I think that's what Jonah brought to remembrance. I think that's what Jonah um, (coughs) had in his mind when it says that he remembered the Lord. That when we feel just so um, in such a deep place of despair, as I said earlier, we feel just no hope that we recall to mind uh, the Lord. We recall to mind the Lord's mercies. Remember, Jonah's very familiar with the Lord's mercies in giving grace and showing grace and mercy to people that don't deserve it. And we can and we can understand that as well. I greatly understand that as I feel so just unworthy of the Lord's mercy. <laughs> but it is a great and it is a great hope that when we feel uh, deep within the deep within our own hell, that when we feel uh, so devoid. That we too can call to remembrance the Lord. We can call to remembrance, uh, just as it said in Lamentation, His mercies. We can call to you know His faithfulness, uh, His love, His power. That, uh, <coughs> that that through these scriptures we can see that He has shown unto His people, and we continue to see that He shows today uh, to His people. That we can call the, that we can call those times uh, to remembrance in our lives. We can call. Uh, I'm sure Jonah also. Brought to remembrance times in his own life, where Jonah had, where uh, God had uh, shown mercy upon him and and brought him out of trouble, that we too can call those uh, occasions to our mind, and they can be a great source of uh, of encouragement to us. That we will continue not to keep going down. You know, I, I, before the services, when I was talking to to Kevin about what I had on my mind, he brought up the good point that in the first chapter we keep uh, seeing that Jonah is continually going down. When he's going away from the Lord, it says he went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the belly of the whale. Whenever we flee from God, we should not expect to go anywhere but down. <clears throat> but we can, and if we have the, the wisdom and the knowledge to, to, to end those moments, and we, when we you know, discern, the, discern the, you know, the sign of the times, so to speak, <clears throat> that we look up. That we look up to our God, who is only able to save us. Because those we say in the eighth verse is, "They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies." <clears throat> that brought to my mind uh, in the second chapter of the book of Jeremiah, where it says in the thirteenth verse, when Jeremiah is prophesying to, prophesying to the people of Israel who had uh, who had turned from him. And he said, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. <clears throat> Whenever we as the Lord's people seek any other, seek a, if not our first inclination is go to God, if we seek our, uh, our happiness and our peace and our joy from something else other than God, 
we are forsaking our own mercies. We are forsaking uh, the mercy, uh, the mercies of God uh, that uh, that uh, He has promised to His people. Um, why would we forsake a, a great fountain for a for a broken cistern? Why would we forsake the the fountain of the living of the living waters of God uh, for something that cannot save us? You know, the, the world is looking for uh, different ways to you know to bring to bring happiness and joy. And it's because they can't find it through anything else. It's always a, it's always something new. It's always something something different that uh you know if we if you know if this gets boring, well, all right, we we've got this for you then instead. Uh, the, the, you know the world uh, is just continually tries to, to pump out something new that uh, they think will, will bring you happiness. And sometimes you, know, you might feel happiness, you know, or, or, or peace. You might think for for a little bit. But uh, this happiness, that, this happiness that if you have felt with God, you understand this is a happiness that uh, does not need any changing. It needs no updating. It is uh, it is very simple, and it is uh, and it is more than we than we deserve. <laughs> and it is a, a great source of, of comfort in those moments. Amen. In the ninth verse, it says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. I think Jonah in this moment had, had understood, had uh, come to understand you know, his, his repentance. Yeah. He said, I will pay that that I have vowed. I had, he, whenever he had uh, made a vow to follow, to follow the Lord and to... T- and to uh, and to prophesy to his people, and in this moment, Jonah finally, you know, he has come to the Lord and said, "I will pay that that I have vowed." And this is where we need to get to. If we if we ever feel ourselves in that in that sense, you know, that to not just to not just pray the prayer, but to act it out, to do it. You know, there is there is wisdom in not just hearing, but in doing. And uh, <clears throat> Jonah was not just you know. Uh, saying the saying these words, you know, he he was uh, he was determined uh, to act on them. He was incur- he was determined uh, to repent. Amen. <clears throat> and I think he understood why at the end of the ninth verse that salvation is of the Lord. And I thought what was interesting is when uh, <clears throat> is the <clears throat> the Hebrew word there <clears throat> for salvation. Is very different when used in this verse, in that I found that it that uh, <laughs> and according to other commentaries I read that this Hebrew word for salvation it has one letter more than the than the many other times that it is used, which I think shows the increased sense of what Jonah meant in saying salvation. That this is not that he is not that he is talking about a salvation that is uh, temporal, that is a spiritual and eternal. That they are all of the Lord. He is talking that he that, that Jonah greatly understood that be, that because of uh, his eternal salvation that was fully by God <clears throat> was the only and that God and that because of that that God was the only means by which he was going to have spiritual salvation in this moment Amen. that he was going to be saved uh, from this you know temporary situation that he was in. That he understood that all three were from the Lord, and he greatly uh, declares that. I think there's no coincidence that they that there is that extra letter there is to give us, I believe, that sense, and that that was uh, the foundation of Jonah's hope. That was the that I believe that was the cornerstone of this prayer. 
That was what he was, his hope was entirely built upon. Because if we have no hope, then, uh, <clears throat> then we have nothing to stand upon. Right. If, we don't under, if we do not understand that salvation is of the Lord, we have no hope. We have nothing to stand upon. Because notice when Jonah, that after Jonah makes that statement that the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. <clears throat> when we, that, when, that is a comfort and uh, encouragement to know that, that when we understand that, the salvation is of the Lord, that we, can stand, we too can stand upon dry land, that we can get out of those, that we can get out of those deep waters, of that miry clay, as Brother Kevin talked about a few weeks ago, that we can, uh, that, that when we uh, understand and acknowledge that this salvation that is of the Lord, and we understand um, and have our hope grounded upon that, that we too can stand upon dry land. That when we understand <laughs> that through the Lord's grace and mercy, and not of anything that we have done, that we are saved, that we are that we can stand in hope upon that, and then because of that hope, we can go to the Lord in prayer in our darkest moments. We can feel encouraged to know that the Lord is not going to forsake His people. We can and and, and through that, we can have great peace and great assurance. And that in these dark moments, <laughs> when we feel just fully compassed about with waves and billows that just you know feel just continually hit. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll tell you, some, there are some days I feel uh, that I, I feel greatly like that. Don't you know? Do you not uh, feel that way? Whenever we, uh, whenever we leave this place and go into the world, it can be a very, uh, it can feel like deep waters out there. And uh, <clears throat> and that when we are not grounded upon our foundation of the Lord, <clears throat> we could we could become just like Jonah. That we can become so, uh, that we can. Uh, that by denying the Lord, by not fo- by not following what the Lord has uh, has sent- commanded us to do, <laughs> you know this book is filled with uh, commandments and ordinances of God. And when we forsake those, when uh, we uh, quench the Spirit, we should not expect anything less but to uh, but to go just as Jonah continually down. And if we feel that way, if you feel that way, no, first off, no first. That the, that uh, that your Lord will still hear you. That uh, that if that if you go that if we go to the Lord in prayer, and if we repent from our actions and dutifully follow the Lord in the services He commands us to do, Amen. that just as Jonah, we can stand upon dry land. That we can that uh, and 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 uh, greatly proclaim that salvation that the Lord has delivered upon us. I uh, I, I thank you for your time this morning. I pray that uh, the Lord may bless you. Do we have enough?